Are you sure you want to talk about this? Because I sure don't. Of course I want to talk about it. <sighs> okay. I guess things changed for me on Tuesday night. Tuesday night? What happened Tuesday night? I saw your act. <laughs> My act? Well, what, what does that have to do with anything? Well, to be honest, it just didn't make it for me. It's just so much fluff. I can't believe it. So, so what are you saying? You didn't like my act? So that's it? I can't be with someone if I don't respect what they do. You're a cashier! But I don't want to be a secondary character. <laughs> Steven, have you ever taken a bath in the dark? <laughs> yes. Yes, I have. Oh, you have? What's it like? Is it, is it scary? I mean, do you, like, when you get out, did you knock yourself or something over? Or, I mean, I've never done it. It's actually more relaxing. Oh, that's cool. Nice. Is there, do you, would you have, like, candles or is it literally, like, in the dark? It depends. <laughs> sometimes if I'm worshipping Satan, I'll set up some candles. Nice. Uh, and sometimes if I just want to be terrified i'll uh, blow the candles out <laughs> blow out those candles george stop it you're killing him <laughs> welcome to another episode of but i don't want to be a secondary character my name is arvine and i'm steven steven yes and we're from dallas texas and we're recording no not quite we're from melbourne australia as you probably know if you are a first-time listener you're probably thinking oh those bloody texans but if you've been with us before you know we're australians this is another episode of this wonderful podcast and you are wonderful people thank you so much for your support and listening to us it's a uh, been a pretty wild ride over the last couple of years hey steve it has uh we we've done some cool things and uh, we've got a whole bunch of more cool things coming up so uh, yeah. yeah pretty stoked and we're really loving all the emails we're getting and all the comments and more downloads and subscribers recently so it's really great and uh, thanks for uh, spreading the word you can find us on social yeah, that's right oh yeah that's right uh, as you can tell uh we're on skype at the moment because poor steven has a bit of a bit of a cold poor bugger so yeah uh, man flu Bit of a man flu. Are you sure it's a man flu or it's like a serious flu? Uh, probably a man flu. Probably a man flu. That's all right. It's all good. At least I won't catch any uh, illnesses. <laughs> That's why you're on Skype tonight. Yeah, to uh, make sure you don't catch what I have. <laughs> That's right. And uh, yeah, you're probably wondering if this is the first episode. You're like, ah, oh, you guys do it over Skype? No, no, not really. Stevie Boy is usually in uh, in the, well, formerly known as H.E. Pennypacker Studios. Where to come up with a name? Because I have moved house recently, so hopefully we do come up with a name. If you want to give us a name for the studio, you can send us a message on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at B-I-D-W-B-A-S-C. That's our acronym. Email us, Podcast at gmail.com and uh, you can find us pretty much anywhere you get your podcasts. That's right. And if you want to rate us or review us or subscribe to us, that would be absolutely amazing. It really helps with visibility. And if you want to tell anyone else about the podcast, uh, if you think they might enjoy it, that would be awesome too. And finally, make sure you do check out our Patreon where you can get lots of bonus content for various dollars per month. Indeed. And uh, Stephen, today we're talking about Season 2, Episode 1, The Ex-Girlfriend, with, uh, I think, probably the first memorable episode girlfriend of the series. What do you think? 
Yeah, definitely. I think this episode really uh, lays the ground for the dynamics between George and Jerry's girlfriends uh, future episodes where they basically dislike them or find reasons to break up with them mm. based on their very small and insignificant uh, uh, idiosyncrasies. Idiosyncrasies. Yeah. Insignificant idiosyncrasies. Sounds like a Cannibal Corpse album. It does, actually. <laughs> I can imagine that. So, yeah, I think it's going to be a, a bit of a shorter episode, Steve, because, uh, yeah, I only have notes on the eponymous ex-girlfriend Marlene and uh, also just a bit about the receptionist at the chiropractor. There's no really other secondary characters, is there? No. I mean, there's the unseen character that uh, started nodding to Elaine and then ended up hating her oh but, yes. uh, yeah i guess we could sort of give him an honor- honorary addition to our unseen characters episode from a little while ago <laughs> but yeah it's basically just marlene yeah pretty much so yeah pretty short episode but anyway do before we do get into it as we normally do each week uh, we got some seinfeld isms uh, so Stephen, did you did anything seinfeld related happen in your life this week it did so two things oh, so nice. last weekend uh, I worked at a rave. Uh, I work a second job helping friends sell merch at gigs sometimes. And uh, I worked at a rave and uh, there was lots of, uh, there were lots of young fashionable Gen Zers there. And I felt like a bit of an old man, a bit of a fish out of water. And no shit, I saw a woman, uh, I went out to get pizza for dinner or lunch, I can't remember. And I saw a young woman walking past and she was wearing a bra with a jacket over the top. Much oh. like Sue Ellen Mishki. Like Sue Ellen, there you go. So there was a Sue Ellen uh, in Footscray in uh, the Definitely. suburb of Melbourne. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, if you follow or have any idea about current fashion trends, a lot of it is at least indirectly inspired by George and Jerry's fashion choices. It's called Normcore or Dadcore. Oh, yeah. And uh, maybe Sue Ellen Mishki's fashion choices, choices. Uh, <laughs> starting to penetrate into the Gen Z market. Bra-core. Bra-core, exactly. <laughs> Undercore. <laughs> <laughs> that would work. Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, and then the second uh, Seinfeldism, uh, the next day on the Sunday, I was actually in Dalesford, and I went to the uh, Market Mill, Mill Markets, I think it's called. It's a big secondhand vintage marketplace uh, oh. just outside of Dalesford. And I saw slash bought a Seinfeld-themed Mad Magazine, oh, which I'm looking at right now on my desk. Excellent. Hey, you're, you've got me on um, video at the moment, or I've got you on video for Skype. Would you mind just showing that to me, that cover? I will. Maybe we can yep, put it on our uh, social media pages. Yeah, I'll take a photo of it and then put it up. So oh, there you go. There it is. Oh, that's awesome. Hello, Newman. Yeah. Fabulous. I, I, I found a stall selling kind of 90s stuff and uh, I was going through the Mad Magazines and it literally crossed my mind. I thought, wouldn't it be funny if there was a, a piss take on Seinfeld and I was just flipping through them and sure enough, I found it. That was the one. Fantastic. Well, like I said, we will put that on our social media pages at B-I-D-W-B-A-S-C and uh, you can check it out and like it for yourself. That's right. Do you have any Seinfeldism? Uh, only one. It happened uh, this afternoon, actually. So a friend of mine at work, he came up to me uh, just randomly. And usually, you know, we have a bit of chit chat, blah, blah, blah. Um, but he came up to me and he said, you know, what's really funny. You know, the actor that plays Jay Peterman, because he knows we do the podcast. And I was like, yeah, yeah. What about him? Do you know he was in his mid 40s or in his 40s when he was playing Jay Peterman? That's only a year or two off from me, my age. And I was like, oh, geez. <laughs> John O'Hurley was a silver fox. He just randomly came up and said it. And I said, oh, did, did you listen to our uh, Jay Peterman episode or, or, or something? He goes, oh, no, I just wanted to tell you. And I was like, oh, okay, nice. It's just re- and then he just walked yeah. off. Really random. Huh. <laughs> I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, awesome. Good. I guess... I guess it's good knowing that, you know, you're the Seinfeld depository. People can just come and dump knowledge on you. Yeah, it's the bottle deposit. They call, they, they call it the, the Seinfeld deposit. That's the episode. Yeah, the <laughs> story Seinfeld of my life. info deposit. Yeah, it's the story of my life. Yeah, all right, so Seinfeld news. 
Yep, sounds good. All right, what do you got? So five bits of Seinfeld news this week, uh, back to being a bit busier after a quiet month or two. So first off, Jerry and his wife, Jessica, celebrated their Good Plus Foundation, which is their charitable organization, through the week uh, in New York City. And when asked by Extra, which is a TV and pop culture website, uh, whether Jerry would consider a Seinfeld reboot, he said, and I quote, I really don't imagine that. I cannot imagine that. He then went on to say that he's not into the idea of any sort of spin-offs as the writers create the characters. So without them on board, they just wouldn't work. You know what? Just like JLD a few weeks ago when you, you know, when she was asked if there's going to be a season 10, they have to listen to our season 10. And I'm telling you, once Jerry gets a hold of it, he'll probably change his mind. The scripts are ready to For go. For sure. Just do a one-off, you know, <laughs> 10-part series that we wrote. And uh, if you haven't listened to it, we did write a hypothetical season 10 of Seinfeld called season 10. So uh, if you haven't listened to those 10 episodes, feel free to do so. Yeah, they're back uh, a few months in our podcast feed, so you can uh, check them out. Uh, the next bit of news, a bunch of different celebrities were recently asked by The Hollywood Reporter to choose between Friends and Seinfeld, and most, understandably, said that they'd choose Seinfeld, which uh, I completely understand. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Good choice. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the third bit of news, Jason Alexander has been announced as a headline for Purdue University's 19th annual Cronert Leadership Speaker Series in September. Ah. So if you want to go hang out with a bunch of dry academics who are jerking themselves off, but you also <laughs> want to listen to Jason Alexander, then uh, yeah, head along. <laughs> It'll literally be called The Jerk Store. Yeah, <laughs> The Jerk Store. Exactly. It'll, be, it'll be a giant contest. Oh, no. I wonder who'll be master of their domain, Jason or someone else? No one, no, no. one. Um, now, the fourth and second last bit of news, <laughs> Wayne Knight uh, threw out the first pitch at a recent Mets-Dodgers game. Uh, and even though the Mets were leading 8-3 to three at one point, they still ended up losing, uh, no doubt due to Knight's uh, scheming. I'm sure he brought the downfall of the Mets being Jerry's favourite team. Yes, and I think that was the Seinfeld night, wasn't it, with uh, Keith Hernandez and Jerry reuniting? No, it wasn't oh, actually. Okay, uh, yeah. that's that's later this month. This was just a, a another Mets Dodgers game. Um, the Dodgers are Knight's favorite team. He was seen, and you can check out photos online. Uh, we'll link it in the show notes as well as all the other news articles of him in full Dodgers gear. Um, but yeah, it hasn't been the Seinfeld night. I think that's later this month or early July. Ah, oh, cool. There had to be a second spitter. Exactly. <laughs> I could just imagine if he had like an altercation with Keith Hernandez. That'd be amazing. Yeah, that would just be too too good. Too good. <laughs> too good. Uh, and finally, Jerry, through the week, turned up for breakfast at a small family-owned cafe called Whitby's Food and Art Cafe, which is also known as the Fart Cafe, which I think is great. Um, that's in Ontario, uh, in Whitby, Ontario, in Canada. And uh, he was there because he was in town to perform a show and he headed out uh, the morning of the show after being recommended the location by the hotel he was staying at. He coincidentally and excellently ordered peace soup. Um, I don't think he was denied the soup, though. I think yeah, he was given it uh, quite openly. Um, and he also ordered a veggie omelette. Oh, there you go. No, yes. Did you say and he ordered coffee, did you say? No, no, no. Pea soup and a veggie omelette. Oh, easy. Yeah. So when I first read the story, I thought it was a comedians in cars getting coffee. Um article but uh yeah you just head it along and there's some photos and i believe if you go to the whitby's food and art cafe 
Instagram or Twitter or Facebook. There's some photos up there with Jerry and the owners on there. So pretty cool. Beautiful. And we'll put all those in the show notes so you can read them for yourself like we always do. Indeed. That's all the Seinfeld news for the week. Very good, Stephen. As always, when we come back, uh, we'll talk about Marlene from this week's episode, Season 2, Episode 1, The Girl... Uh, X girlfriend <laughs> well i guess in jerry's case the girlfriend but in george's the ex uh also we'll find out later on in the episode where the ex-girlfriend sits in our greatest episodes of all time and if marlene reaches our top 20 secondary characters of all time plus we got some listener mail to finish off as well a couple of nice emails will be received during the week you're listening to but i don't want to be a secondary character and we'll be back hello we're not available now please leave your name and phone number after the beep Welcome back to this week's episode, The Ex-Girlfriend, and uh, Ivan's going to take us through a bit of a plot synopsis. Oh yeah, Season 2, Episode 1 of Seinfeld. First aired in the US on January 23rd, 1991, directed by Tom Sharones, written by Larry David and Jerry Seinfeld. In this episode, George wants to break up with his girlfriend, Marlene, played by Tracy Collis, whose tendency to drag out conversations and phone messages irritates him to no end. After an emotional split, he realises that he has left some books in her apartment. Jerry tries to convince George that he doesn't need the books, and he's already read them, but George nevertheless persuades Jerry to get them for him. In order to retrieve the books, Jerry decides to go on a date with Marlene, during which she tells him that she and Jerry can still be friends despite her recent breakup. Jerry and Marlene start dating, but after a while, Jerry finds her just as annoying as George did. He wants to break up with her, but finds that she has a psychosexual hold on me. Jerry is hesitant to tell George he's dating Marlene. Elaine eventually convinces him that he should. After being informed, George informs Jerry that he has no problem with him dating Marlene. The following night, Jerry asks Marlene to come to his apartment, but she breaks up with him. Jerry asks her why, to which she replies that she did not think his stand-up comedy act was funny. I saw your act. <laughs> and that she could not date someone if she did not respect what they did. You're a cashier! You're a cashier! <laughs> I love that line. It's degrading to cashiers, but it's pretty good. Good delivery. And a couple of subplots, Stephen, as well. Uh, George, he's having issues with the chiropractor. Uh, he gets charged $75 just for an initial consultation, and he's not happy to pay it. So he pays what he thinks it's worth. $75? Well, am I seeing Sinatra in there? <laughs> so good. $75. And I love how Jerry's like, it's the, it's the first visit. <laughs> and George is like, I don't care. It's I'll not, pay what I want. I'll pay what I want. Imagine if we lived in a society where you can just pay whatever you want. Yeah, I don't think many people would be very profitable. Probably not, no. Not everything can be yeah. lentil as anything. That uh, vegan restaurant, <laughs> which you can... Uh, it's a vegan restaurant run by volunteers, uh, lentil as anything, and uh, you pay whatever you feel is worth for the meal. Yeah, I, I think that kind of works because it's a non-profit organisation. I think a lot of the business model relies on people feeling shame if they don't pay anything even if they think the food is terrible mm. or they hate the place i think a lot of people would feel a lot of guilt if they walked out of there and didn't pay a cent yeah um you know i mean the food is good and i've eaten there heaps of times and i always pay what i think it's worth but yeah i think uh that that model wouldn't apply to a lot of other things <laughs> fair enough fair enough but now they do a really good job lentil as anything they do. Good work. And uh, i was going to say the other subplot steve uh, for elaine elaine uh runs into a person who uh, they initially nod and acknowledge each other. You know, they met once, and then suddenly he nor starts uh, ignoring Elaine. Has that ever happened to you? You know, when you meet someone and then you say hello, and you know, say in the office or 
like within your friendship circle, and then you don't speak to them much, and then suddenly they just ignore you. That's happened many times to me, especially at work. Yeah, look, I am not a fan of the constant nodding or acknowledgement of people you sit next to or see. Um, I'm always a fan of just saying good morning or good afternoon or whenever the first time you see them is. And if you walk past each other, I don't acknowledge the person. I saw you 10 minutes ago. I've already chatted to you. I don't need to nod or say hello 10 minutes and then 10 minutes later and then two hours later. So I just do one greeting. And then if I want to talk to them again about something specific, I'll bring it up. So I don't even I don't even let it get to the point where awkward nodding and then no nodding could even occur because I just think it's unnecessary from the from the start. So you don't hug and kiss people every 10 minutes like a normal person? <laughs> I, I'm an affectionate person, don't get me wrong, and I, I like contact and I like acknowledging people. But, you know, if they're my colleague, I, I wouldn't just nod to them because I saw them. To me, it's what's the point? It's redundant. Yeah, fair call. <laughs> yeah. And I, don't worry, I don't hug and kiss everyone every five minutes. I don't hug and kiss Stephen whenever we're recording. Oh, well, Stephen, hello I wish again. You would. I just went, oh, I wish. <laughs> One day you might earn it. <laughs> we'll see. Um, so I don't want it then if I have to earn it. No, no, you don't need it. Um, other secondary characters include uh, the like the gentleman that I mentioned before, the one who Elaine nods to, and then suddenly he doesn't nod. And uh, Karen Barkas plays the receptionist at the chiropractor. They're the only secondary characters. Interesting. Yeah, there's not there's not many in this episode at all. No, a bit of trivia about the episode, Stephen. What have you got? Uh, so the episode shoot was postponed for a week uh, after the start of the first Gulf War. That's right. It was scheduled to air on January 16, 1991. But yes, due to the breakout of that war, uh, yeah, Seinfeld was delayed for a week. Hmm. Hmm. There you go. Well, I guess it was. Oh, we were too young, or well, I was too young anyway during that period, but I could imagine it was a very tumultuous time. I vaguely remember news reports um, of the, the, the bombing of um, Baghdad and stuff, but yeah, I don't remember the atmosphere or the, you know, the, the political blowback or anything like that much, you know, I imagine it was very similar to the second Gulf War. There was probably a lot of protesting and a lot of, uh, you know, controversy and all sorts of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I remember that photo. It's that real iconic photo of that soldier crying. Have you seen that one? And he's just like uh, been broken. Yeah, he's just really broken from the war. And that's one of the most famous images of war, like in history. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's crazy. I've probably seen it. I just can't recall. Yeah. Anyway, going on from uh, very sad things like that to very sweet things, uh, this is the first mention of Joe, the fruit store owner from the Mango. Did you notice that? Yeah, I did, actually. You uh, I hadn't seen this episode in years before <laughs> uh, watching it for this week's uh, pod episode. And when uh, when Kramer mentions Joe or that he goes to Joe's, I thought, oh, does he make an appearance in this episode? And sadly, he doesn't. <laughs> banned. Banned from the store. <laughs> Banned. Banned from the store. Yeah, so he gets uh, – it's his first off-screen appearance on Seinfeld. There you go. Yeah, one for the continuity nerds as well. Exactly, and he's got damn good fruit. And also in this episode, uh, this is where Kramer uh, learns how to play golf. You know how he comes in and he figures out his swing? Uh, he ends up uh, getting a handicap of minus three or a handicap of three That's in golf, which is nearly at the, at the pro level. That's so, true, actually. So this, this episode sets up a lot. It does. It sure does. Yeah, a lot of continuity uh, things, a lot, a lot of continuations of uh, very minor subplots. For sure, for sure. Um, now, like a lot of other episodes, this one was actually inspired by one of Larry David's personal experiences. Uh, he gave a ride home to a woman and uh, who had recently dated a friend of his, and she ended up uh, having a bit of a crush on him. Okay, cool. And her name was yeah. Darlene. <laughs> Not Darlene, Darlene, yeah. Darlene. Have you ever had a shower with the lights on, Larry? 
<laughs> Terrible. <laughs> Terrible. You were laughing. I saw you. No. Nah. <laughs> He's rolling his eyes. He's like, no. Nah. Don't want any of it. Uh, did you know, Stephen, that this episode was the first to be filmed at the Studio Center in Studio City, California, and that's where the show would be filmed ever since for the rest of the series? I did know that because it's on my notes here. Absolutely. And some other actresses who auditioned for the role, of course. You, I wonder where you get those sources from. I don't know. I think we just know so much about the show. We just know everything. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> IMDb. <clears throat> um, other actresses who auditioned for the role of Marlene include Jerry Ryan and Amy Yazbek. Uh, Heidi Swegberg also tried out for the park, uh, the part, but she ended up playing Susan. Well, good choice. Yes. What have you got? Uh, the final bit of trivia I've got is that after George receives a bill from his chiropractor and uh, he says, 75 bucks, what am I seeing Sinatra in there? Uh, that's an unfortunate coincidence because Frank Sinatra died the same day the last episode of Seinfeld aired on NBC in 1998. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, wild. And I heard a story that apparently so many people were watching this finale that the ambulances, like there was virtually no traffic on the roads because everyone was watching Seinfeld and they were able to get to the ambulances yeah. in time to get Sinatra and revive Yeah, I think we talked about that a few episodes ago. Yeah, I think we did, I, yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, it is wild. Yeah, very wild. Otherwise, if it was a normal LA day, they probably wouldn't have made it. For sure. Crazy. It was probably still hectic, but it was just a bit less hectic. Less hectic. LA traffic is always horrible. Oh, I remember how bad it was when I was there last year. It takes like half an hour just to go like two miles. <laughs> yeah, sure. Crazy. Shall we talk about some secondary characters? Well, one secondary character. Uh, yes. Uh, let's talk about Marlene. So Marlene is played by Tracy Collis. She's appeared in other TV shows, including The Equalizer, As the World Turns, and Quantum Leap. Uh, her last acting credit that's been recorded was in an episode of the 1999 TV series Popular. And uh, did you know, Stephen, that Tracy has also appeared in season six in the episode The Soup uh, as a waitress? who lies about having a boyfriend to George. Ah, yes. I don't remember that. So she's one of the few actors who makes uh, several appearances on the show as different characters. There's quite a few. Mm, oh, yeah, there's quite a few, yes. So she, I didn't know she was uh, one of them. I forgot she was in the soup. So there you go. Yeah, same. Yeah, excellent. Well, I can't wait to do that one. Uh, but yes, uh, yeah. Marlene. So as we mentioned at the top of the episode, probably the first iconic uh, episode girlfriend of the show. Uh, I guess a lot of people... Uh, you know, there's secondary, oh, there's uh, episode girlfriends like Sidra and, uh, you know, a few others as well. Susan Ross, of course. Uh, all these iconic ones. But Marlene, I guess, is the first one in the series. Yeah, I would agree with that totally. Absolutely. And it's funny because um, I remember Marlene, but I forgot it was this episode, The Ex-Girlfriend. Uh, and then, then when we uh, were, when I was watching the episode, I was like, oh, shit, this is the one with Marlene in it. Nice. Yeah, I, to be honest, I remembered... Jerry and George's impersonation and mocking of Marlene more than Marlene herself. Oh, that's right. Hey, Jerry. Hey, Jerry. (laughs) And she leaves those messages, and it's like when she answers the phone, she's in the middle of a sentence. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Um, so I guess, yeah, she's got a, a psychosexual hold on men. She's a very attractive woman, uh, Marlene, um, and I think her southern charm kind of resonates with Jerry and George, wouldn't you agree? Yeah. I mean, there is a sultriness and sexiness to the southern accent, um, a.k.a. I guess the, the characterization of a southern belle. Um, and I guess that that's what they're relying on here. It seems like they're relying on a trope. Um, but the accent itself is very nice to listen to. There's something slow and relaxing about it. And, you know, Jerry Jerry says uh, that he feels hypnotized or that he feels like he's under a spell. And I think it's because of the accent. There is something quite um, – it, it lulls you into a relaxation where they could just be talking absolute crap 
but the sound of the voice is just so pleasant and so sultry and sexy that you just, it has a hold over you. Yeah, well, a psychosexual hold, as Jerry described. A psychosexual hold, that's right. Yeah. In terms of career, I mean, she's a cashier, uh, which Jerry confirms <laughs> when they're arguing. Um, but I guess we don't really know too much more about her. I mean, I guess we could say that she's moved from interstate, possibly from Texas, uh, I think from Texas, and uh, she's trying to make a life in New York somehow for doing something, perhaps. I mean, did you like hypothesize what she may be doing because a cashier job i could imagine you know you don't move to new york to become a cashier i'd imagine she's probably striving for something of some sort um i said uh, i was thinking maybe country singer i think maybe she's like a she's a musician or she's a singer and you know she's got a really lovely voice i can imagine she could sing and probably play guitar really well um so my guess is she's probably moved up from texas um you know some reason moved to new york and maybe uh yeah, she was trying to get like a music gig. Yeah, I don't. I I understand that, but I don't think it would have worked out for her because New York is not the place to move if you want to be a country singer. I think it would be Memphis or Austin. They're yeah. the country music capitals of of America. So if she did move for that reason, I don't think it would have worked out because New York is not known for for being the the ground zero for. I mean, it's the ground zero for entertainment and music as well as Los Angeles, but. I think she that would have been a bad move on her part. Yeah, actually, it's probably a good call. Do you think maybe she's at least in maybe performing arts of some sort, like maybe acting or dancing or something like that? I could see that. Um, I didn't really put much thought into what she's doing in New York. No. I put a bit more thought into why she moved to New York, okay, which isn't think? the same as yours. No, why do you well, think she moved? I think, well, I think she moved to New York because of maybe the breakdown of a really significant relationship, and she's completely heartbroken and New York maybe seemed like a place where she could escape or find what she wants in life. And that would explain um, why she's so clingy to Jerry and George, because she's trying to hold exactly on to them. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think she's trying to, to seek comfort um, for her pain through the quick relationships of George and Jerry. When she realises that George doesn't want her, rather than take time to find someone who might be right for her, she just moves on to the next available man, which happens to be George's mate. Um, I don't think it's based on genuine feelings. I think she's just trying to numb out that heartbreak. And I think she takes breakups really badly because when George is um, reminiscing about what happened when he eventually broke up with Marlene, you know, he did it in the kitchen, but he was scared because the knives were in there. And then she was uh, firing off some expletives as he was trying to run out the door. So she's, she doesn't take breakups too well. No, and I think I think her emotional response to George breaking up with her was maybe amplified because it was just a, a, a stab in the in the heart you know she's 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 trying to get over her previous relationship from texas and a repeat of that so soon would just make it hurt a lot more i don't think if she'd gotten over her initial breakup and then george broke up with her i don't think she would have been as uh i guess angry or upset yeah that's very true but i guess it, it's funny because even though she can't take a breakup too well she easily broke up with Jerry just because of the act. And she says, I can't be with someone who, um, you know, who can't respect what they did. So I, I think she probably thinks pretty lowly of, uh, well, probably not comedy in general, but I guess Jerry's observational humor just doesn't really rub off on her. Well, yeah, I think it's probably a cultural difference, maybe. I mean, new, Jerry's comedy, uh, you know, in real life and in the show is very, very specific to city life, um, you know, and it's very Jewish and very... Uh, like specific and I just don't think that that would resonate with her coming from maybe a regional place in Texas she just can't relate to whatever he's talking about because she doesn't experience that or she hasn't experienced that if she was watching Jeff Foxworthy or something then she probably uh, 
enjoy it. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Because, um, I mean, you never hear of Jerry touring in, you know, it always seems to be cities in the northeast or in L.A. He never, he never mentions, I don't think, correct me if I'm wrong, um, any listeners, but I don't think he ever flies out to or performs in sort of any southern states where maybe they couldn't relate to his style of humour. Wasn't that the episode with Kathy Griffin where um, he gets that barbecue sauce that looks like that TV host and then it breaks? Yeah. Where, was that in the south somewhere? I don't know if it was in the south. I don't, I don't remember. I have to watch that one again. But yeah, listeners, yeah, if you remember. if you know that episode, there's, so there's two with Kathy Griffin, uh, the one where Kathy Griffin's in it, or uh, Sally. Yeah, I mean, maybe it was in the South because, you know, barbecue and barbecue sauce is a very Southern food um, yeah. in American culture. Yeah, well, remind um, us of it, listeners. <laughs> Let yeah, us know what sure. it is. Yeah, yeah, but yeah fill, fill, our, um, fill our knowledge gaps. Um, one other thing as well, I think maybe she rushed off to New York in a bit of a hurry after um, the breakdown of, you know, maybe a marriage or a significant boyfriend. And in the very opening scene where George is complaining to Jerry about um, Marlene and why he wants to break up with her, he mentions that she's introduced him to all of her friends and family. And I think maybe, I think she, he mentions her father and her brother. And I think maybe they've come up to Texas to make sure that she's okay because, you know, in, in Southern, you know, potentially more conservative uh, parts of America and parts of the world, family is very, very important. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I think it's less common for people to leave a, a completely sort of laid out life and, and do something completely different. So maybe her, her father and brother and other other members of the family came up to, to make sure she was okay or maybe to convince her to come back home. Something like that. That's that's the only reason I thought that they would be there, and that's the only reason how. Well, that's the only way that George could have met them. Could have met them. Do you think that Marlene eventually went back to where she came from? Yeah, I think so. I think she, you know, if we assume that she went up there to to pursue a career in in some sort of performing arts, um, you know, but what drove her was that heartbreak or that breakdown of a relationship. I think when she realised that maybe New York is too cutthroat for her or too too much of a competitive environment. Um, she, you know, she got in a bit of time, she got over a heartbreak. I think she, and with the gentle persuasion of her family, she went back to what she knew and, you know, maybe took some time for herself and then found, you know, a new partner and became happy again. Fair call. And now she's got a few kids and uh, she's loving life. Yeah. I think, I think, um, you know, she eventually just sort of went back into the life that her family and tradition would have expected of her, for sure. Mm. And it was really good acting by Tracy as well. Uh, I think Marlene definitely had a psychosexual hold on me somewhat <laughs> when I was watching the episode. Yeah, she's very seductive and very sultry. Yeah, she's very well acted by Tracy. Well done. Def- definitely. Do you have anything else about Marlene? Uh, Marlene, well, no, not nothing else really about Marlene, but I I, I, I like where, um, you know, the scene where Jerry and Marlene, it's straight after they've started making out. You know how they're in the car and then Marlene leaves and then Jerry's thinking, oh, boy, boy, what have I done? And then the scene cuts. I love, if you mm. notice, Jerry's very sweaty and it's like they've made out and his lips are like, you know, they must have put like chapstick on his lips or something. It looks like he's been kissing and making out with Marlene. I think that was a really nice touch because, you know, it would have been really awkward if they just all, and in like even a bit of like, I think his clothes were a bit scrumpled as well, if you noticed as well. Um, I, I think it was really nice yeah, touches there by the uh, by the producers. Yeah, they probably had a pretty heavy, hot and heavy makeout session in the car. Yeah. And uh, it, it's, I think because she was still reeling from the loss or the pain of breaking up with George, I don't think she was ready just to go to, um, you know, go on the rebound with Jerry. I think she just needed a bit more time. No, yeah, definitely. And I think it reflects maybe the quality of episode writing from season two. They put a bit more thought into everything and things were a bit more developed. So they probably had a bit more time to uh, add those little touches that 
elevate the show a bit. Absolutely. But yeah, now Marlene was a good character. Yeah, I really liked her. Yes. Really, really liked her. That's all we really have about Marlene. Um, there are a couple of other secondary characters that we have mentioned uh, at the start of the show, but there's nothing really to work with, so we're not really going to bother mentioning them. Um, why don't we just get into whether uh, any of the top, when, well, whether Marlene sits in our top 20 characters and where this episode sits in our top episodes we've reviewed so far? Absolutely. And, uh, and these rankings will actually lead into our listener mail, so uh, our first one. So, uh, yeah, it actually works out really well. Um, so, the ex girlfriend for me, uh, out of the 85 episodes that we've done, number 50. Okay. It's a real nothing episode, this one, isn't it? But uh, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it doesn't have a lot of or really any iconic uh, scenes or, 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 you know, things from Seinfeld that sort of transcend the show. But uh, it's still a solidly written episode, I think. I think so too, yeah. It was really well done. And I loved I loved how George's plot with Marlene, it was only in the first bit, and then the rest of it's just him with his battle with the chiropractor. I think it's fantastic. It's really well written. Yeah, and it, and it sets up George and what he becomes, where he's quite neurotic and he's stingy and he is just, you know, it's the start of the classic George. And you can kind of see the weirdness in Kramer as well really come out in uh, this episode. Absolutely. And I love the tipping point where, you know, the fly goes into George's mouth and he goes, I think I swallowed a fly. <laughs> and he turns to that yeah. guy and says, what do I do? And then Jerry's just <laughs> embarrassed. I love that. <laughs> it's yeah, it's no, real neurotic, it's, um, George. Definitely. Yeah, no, really good episode. Where, where did you rank this episode? Uh, I ranked this at number 43. Okay, nice. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Now, does Marlene go in your top 20 secondary characters of all time? No. Although I do like her as an episode girlfriend and I like her character and I like how Jerry and George kind of play off her sultriness and the fact that a woman kind of has the power in this episode, even though she's the one that gets dumped, mm -hmm. um, I it, she's just not memorable enough for me. She doesn't have any, uh, like other than the southern accent and blabbing on and on and on she doesn't really have any distinctive qualities that make me think that she's a above and beyond secondary character but yeah that, that that's true but i know i i think with marlene like she's not in my top 20 either but i do appreciate her and i appreciate that it's the first time where uh you know one of jerry's episodes girlfriends well i guess besides vanessa i suppose in the stakeout but she's not as memorable but i think marlene you're right you mentioned before that marlene is one of the first episode girlfriends to have like an idiosyncrasy and uh yeah i appreciate that she was a pioneer in that regard yeah, for sure. I think we agree there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, anyway, let's go. You know what? Before we go to listen to mail, I haven't read my top 10 secondaries for a while, so I'll read them out now. Um, so number 10 is cool. Mary. Uh, yeah, so number 10, Mary Cantati from The Baby Shower. Number nine is Aaron the Close Talker from our Talkers episode. Uh, number eight, Newman. Number seven, Corinne from our 100th episode, The Marine Biologist. Uh, number six is Bookman from The Library. Five, Susan. Four, The Soup Nazi. Three, Uncle Leo. Two, Frank Costanza. And my number one is George Stone. Brenner. Do you have your top 10 there, buddy, or no? Nah? Uh, no. You'll, you'll find a link in the show notes with the top 10 characters and episodes. That's all right. But anyway, uh, our rankings actually lead to this week's uh, first entry of Listener Mail. We have two emails, uh, so I'm going to read them out for you right now. When you control the mail, you control information. Our first email this week is from Brandon. He's from Adelaide in Australia and uh, he said to us, hey guys, just want to say that I absolutely love the podcast. You guys are doing such a great job with it. I, uh, with it. Um, I've been listening for a month now and trying to catch up as much as I can and uh, Brandon's actually going through uh, Seinfeld back to back from seasons one to nine. 
and he's currently uh, halfway through season five. And uh, he's asked us to do, eventually, uh, The Barber and The Masseuse, because they'd be so great. I would love to hear your thoughts of these episodes and the secondary characters. Keep up the great work. So thanks very much, Brandon. Yeah, thanks, Brandon. That was a really nice email to uh, receive. Yeah, really awesome. And Brandon, he's actually ranked his top 10 secondary characters from the show, which is awesome. And uh, he's also ranked the main cast from 1 to 4. So I'll read those out for you now from uh, 10 to 1. So here, uh, Brandon's uh, 10 secondary characters. Number 10, Bob and Cedric. There you go. <laughs> you like that one, Steve? Uh, number 9 is, hello, Uncle Leo. Number 8 is Susan Ross. Number 7 is Bookman. Oh, I'm loving this list already. Uh, number 6 is uh, Jay Peterman. Number 5, Frank Costanza. Jeez, oh, a bit too low. For, uh, Brandon, what are you on about? <laughs> number 4, um, David Putty. Uh, number 3 is Newman. Number 2 is Jackie Charles. And number 1 with me, George Steinbrenner. So that uh, that redeems you, Brandon. Oh a good boy. Big Stein is his number one. That's awesome. Uh, and for the core four, uh, number four is Elaine. Number three is George. Number two is Jerry. And number one is Cosmo Kramer. Very good. Very good. And he's also given me another list <laughs> of his uh, top 10 TV shows. Uh, so, of course, number one is Seinfeld. But we'll start from 10 to number two. He wants us to read this out as well, so why not? Number 10 is Friends. Number nine is Doctor Who. Number eight, How I Met Your Mother. Number seven, The Mighty Boosh. Number six is Ash vs. Evil Dead. That's a pretty good show, actually. Um, number five, The IT Crowd, funny British comedy. Four is the Community. Three is Curb Your Enthusiasm. Number two is The X-Files. And, of course, number one is Seinfeld. Honorable mentions go to The Good Place and Arrested Development. And he is re-watching uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm once again. And he's watching comedians in cars getting coffee for the first time. And he really likes it. So, uh, yeah, Brandon, thank you so much for that email. That was really awesome. Yeah, and that was cool to see uh, some other top tens. We get a bit uh, self-indulgent when we read out, so it's good to read yours too. <laughs> it's really good. Thanks so much, man. And uh, the second email that we received this week is a follow-up from Jace in Grand Rapids in Michigan. I think he emailed us last week or the week before, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it was a little while ago. I'm just looking at our emails now, and I think he initially emailed us on the 21st of May. Yeah. So, so he's, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, so he says, hey, guys, uh, keep up the hard work, and I'm really enjoying the podcast. Um, Just to clear something up, I listened to a podcast with uh, Bas player my favorite called Joe Inglis or Ingles uh, he's a native of Melbourne uh, listening to a podcast he mentioned how in Australia you don't tip uh, because the waitresses are already compensated quite well and he just wants to confirm if it's correct because he had listened to our the wizard episode uh, where Morty calculates tips on the wizard or the Willard in that case um, and he also says that uh, Chips Ahoy and York Peppermint Patties are still a very regular purchase in America. And uh, we were trying to figure out what Philadelphia is known for as far as food. And the answer is cheese steaks. And he says, keep up the fantastic work. Yeah, and I can't believe we didn't uh, think of Philly cheese steaks when we did that episode. I can't remember which episode, but I asked... I think semi-rhetorically, what is Philly known for food-wise? That's right. Um, and Philly cheesesteaks are, you know, super famous. I mean, there's there's American restaurants and stuff here that uh, that's one of their main menu items. So and I, apologies. Yeah, that's all right. And I'm pretty sure in the Cadillac, I asked if Chips Ahoy was still around because Morty was trying to eat those. And, uh, you know, Helen says, oh, there's an open bag of cookies. And he goes, but I want a Chip Ahoy. I didn't know if Chip Ahoys <laughs> were a thing, but apparently, according to Jace, it is. Uh, but, Jace, uh, Jace, to answer your question, yes, uh, in Australia, we do have uh, quite high hourly rates, uh, usually about $20 or sometimes more per hour uh, for uh, hospitality staff. Uh, it's usually half or one and a half, rather, or double the hour 
hourly rate on a public holiday or the weekend. And um, with regards to tipping, uh, there's no obligation to tip, uh, but sometimes they do have like a tip jar, which you can tip a couple of bucks if you like the service, uh, but there's never an obligation to tip, unlike in the US. Yeah, that's right. I think this is one of the most common conversations I've had with Americans when they, you know, ask about Australia or if I'm talking to an American between uh, about the differences between uh, our, I guess, lifestyle or culture in theirs, um, this is usually one of the top uh, subjects because it's well known that um, you know hospitality workers or servers, as they're called in America. Uh, struggle to make a living, you know, and they really rely on tips to just survive. Absolutely, yeah. They Sometimes they got to work like three jobs just to pay the rent. Yeah, yeah. Which is, which is sad, yeah. So in Australia, yeah, they, it's still pretty hard for uh, service staff in Australia to make a living, but uh, yeah, they do get paid quite well for what they do. That's it, by comparison. Yeah. They do. Absolutely. So, yeah, thanks very much for the email, Jace, and uh, thank you once again, Brandon. And uh, if you want to send us an email, bidwabaskpodcast at gmail.com. If you use one of those things called social media pages, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at B-I-D-W-B-A-S-C, and uh, you can find us on any podcast service. Uh, Our website is currently down at the moment, but we do have a link uh, for uh, another temporary website where you can listen to the episodes. And, uh, yeah, and, Stephen, you can find us on Patreon. That's right. If you go to patreon.com forward slash B-I-D-W-B-A-S-C, you can check out all the tiers we have and sign up for various dollars per month to receive some really cool bonus content. That's right. And in addition to early access to this episode before everyone else, uh, this week's bonus fortnightly episode for our Patreons is a short Seinfeld or short history rather of Seinfeld on Australian television. So we have some facts about it. And uh, for those Aussie listeners, you're probably going to reminisce and uh, it'll probably be nostalgic to you coming home from school and uh, watching The Simpsons and then Neighbours and then Seinfeld at 7pm on Channel 10 uh, i'm sure to bring back a lot of memories for our aussie listeners yeah definitely and it definitely will for us too so yeah look forward to going through that yeah man next week it's going to be uh, the andrea doria we're talking about from season eight and uh, our friend stacy will be on the podcast with us as well which is really exciting and uh, we're looking forward to having her back yeah for sure it's been about six months so we're more than happy to have her back and uh, we can't wait absolutely my name's ivan and i'm steven and next week yes like i said we'll be back for the andrea doria this was but i don't want to be a secondary character and you take care of each other and uh, have a good time yeah.